Hey, Jamie, how's it going? Hey, Mike, how you doing? What's shake a lakin? Uh, there's a lot of shake a lakin. I'm having a, like a wonderful like week, and I had a great day. I had one of those days at work where you look up and it's three o'clock. Like you're, I mean, you know, you're so busy, and there's so much great stuff to do that the day just goes by. Well, Jamie, your workday is not done. We're here to do work on West Coast Project. That's right, but this is good work. So I hope this you haven't punched out yet. I have not. <laughs> I expect a giant paycheck. <laughs> West Coast Project 504 of the Americans, Jamie, from That's Georgia. Right. What's the matter with Kansas? What is the matter with Kansas? My name is Mike, by the way. Um, what did you think of this episode? Loved it. Yeah, it was okay. It was pretty good, pretty good. Oh, I thought it was great. It's a little slow. Um, I mean, there's a couple of things that I don't like that are bothering me a little bit. Okay, so tell me about it. Well, like the wheat bugs aren't that threatening and interesting to me. Okay, so they've not done an awesome job of representing the bugs as a protagonist or an antagonist. They just really haven't done that. No, especially on the heels of glanders and... Lhasa. Right, exactly. Uh, I don't know. It just seems kind of dumb. When when the real problem is the corruption, their own problem. That's why their uh, food uh. is short. They're not because their wheat's getting chewed up. It's because they're scandals inside the, their own country. So I predict that the overarching theme of the season is going to be a little bit of a letdown which really should be, artistically speaking, that should be the case for a penultimate season, right? But I think that it's going to be a little bit of a letdown because I think that what it's really going to be, like what the season's going to shape up to be about, is about like what doing kind of um, the mechanics of life. And, you know, Oleg's mom said it best this episode, right? You do what you have to do or you do what you need to do. And that's what's the matter with Kansas. <laughs> you know, people were doing what they had to, what they needed to, um, even though their hearts weren't in it. Yeah, you're right. Where the wheat bugs threat may not be very in intimidating or interesting. The examination of Philip and Elizabeth and their evolution is really getting interesting. Um, the slow fuse of their... Yeah. It's a, it's a long burn with them. We've seen them kind of evolve from being soldiers to now they're kind of in a romance. Like this is kind of new to them, this romance they're kind of enjoying. And uh, I think they're getting, I also think they're getting kind of tired of their spy jobs for the first time in this, epi in this season. All right. So I think that this has been coming for a moment. I think it's been a little minute. Because if you can remember me flipping out like a couple of seasons ago and being like, oh, my God, they're in love. This is their Valentine's episode. Do you remember that? And I was telling you that they were kissing each other and they were in the shape of a heart in their bed. I really think that this has been coming for a while. Like Elizabeth, you know, fell in love with with Philip in the first season. And, you know, they've really kind of she's always been kind of hardcore. But last season, she kind of started falling apart a little bit. Um, where he fell apart in, I think it was season three. And I think right now they feel really vulnerable together because they know that they love each other. 
And, you know, the, um, you know, the center is demanding of them things that they really aren't in the mood to give. And so, you know, that's, I think that's kind of where they are, you know, they're, they're a matter of fact on uh, wish I said that shit.com. I, the feature photo that I put this week is that picture of Philip and Elizabeth kissing each other in bed in the shape of a heart. <laughs> because I think, you know, that's like, you know, they're having that soft moment, but they can't give in to each other because, you know, they, uh, they got to go to work. You just reminded me of a cool old Jackson Brown song, Jamie in the Shape of a Heart. I might dig that up for this for the end cap of this one. Okay. Um, but yeah, anyway, it's you're right. You're right. They're kind of like they're not soldiers going off to have like fake romances and honey pots. Now it's like my wife is going to freaking Kansas to do a honey pot with some dude. I don't, you know, that bothers me now. I think that bothers Philip more now than ever before. I agree with you, and I. I loved that she stuck that kind of thing in there where she was like, oh, you should have seen me telling him it was for my husband, you know, <laughs> you know, because that's what a woman would do if she were trying to establish with her husband and make sure that he knows that she's got his back. Like, you know, she's loyal. Yeah, You know what else this show does for a guy for it, like totally brutally cold light focuses the bullshit women have to put up with with guys. Like this dorky guy hitting on Elizabeth. It's like, oh, my God. And then Philip hitting on the girl. She didn't want any part of him. Or (laughs) Gus or whatever his name is. Yeah, she was, like, so completely uninterested. (laughs) It's funny, too, how they kind of flipped a little bit. Like, Philip, Philip was the, in real life, he's like the, um, kind of the, I don't know. He's like a bright, positive force in real, in the you know the show, real life of Philip. He's like the bright, positive force and the mopey, flirty guy with this new chick. And Elizabeth is the mopey, real life personality, but the bright and chipper, flirty chick with this guy. It's funny; they're the opposite of what they really almost usually are in the in the show. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that, but that's right. Like she tends to go for the um, little bit more sprightly, happy personality, um, as opposed to Philip, who goes more. Um, I don't know. I think you know he tries to be a little bit more enthusiastic. <laughs> forced, than, maybe. Yeah, forced. I agree because, like, think about like when he was. Um, in the kitchen and, you know, talking about the yard work, like he was saying something about the tree. He needed to call the guy about the tree. It just sounded so banal and and mundane. Yeah, that was funny. You know, there's always way more to like about this show than to criticize and dislike. So, you know, may not like the bugs and the wheat problem, but like I also really loved in this episode, the depictions of Stan and Oleg, how they're kind of like the uh, what, they're like kind of like the bishops or the rooks on this chessboard of this plot, and they're they're equal, and they're moving around all these other dangerous characters. Some are lesser power, a lesser power. Some are more powerful than them, but they're kind of equal. White and black rooks on this chessboard, and uh, it's funny how they're 
they're trying to feel each other out and figure out what the other one's doing. And, the, you know, Oleg's a little bit mistaken about Stan or a lot mistaken about Stan. Stan's trying to help him, and Oleg doesn't even know it. And it makes you wonder, like, is is Oleg going to put himself into a position where he doesn't have to because he doesn't know Stan is helping him? Well, so, um, okay, first I have to tell you that um, you've been saying that for a couple of seasons. You've just said a few times that you think of them as rooks. And um, it's fantastic, really, uh, a metaphor, because, um, you know, like you can really see it this episode. Like Stan is the one who's being brave and strong and taking a stand and going like, hey, I'm going to turn my back on this organization and my so-called patriotism in order to do what I think is really right. And Oleg is feeling tentative and not wanting to take a stand, like even as far as standing up to his director um, in the meeting. The other guy, the guy, his partner, um, you know, who's with him, was more straightforward and more vocal and Oleg was sort of, you know, really kind of timid. Um, So they were like opposites of each other, but equal um, in this episode. And I I don't think I've ever seen it more clearly represented in the way that you see them um, than was apparent in this episode. Yeah, but don't you think, I mean, Oleg was just like Stan in that scene, that guy Rulan or whatever his new partner is. Oleg was saying to his boss, you know, why do we fuck up this family that has the Afghani soldier in the Afghanistan war? Why do we what can we find another better way to do it? Why? You know, let's be human about this. Why do we pressure him through his family or pressure his family through him? Whatever. I think that's just like Stan. I don't think that's different that I don't think that's the mirror opposite of Stan. I think that's exactly like Stan. I don't know. You know what? You know what? You might be right. I think I just, I don't know, for some reason I took it in differently. Like I took it in as him kind of being, I don't know why I got that feeling of him being timid, but that was the way I took it in. But I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, like they were both speaking up for the right thing. Like they were both standing up and saying, I don't think so. (laughs) Stan kind of blew my mind though, because I never expected that from Stan. Yeah, and Stan had to admit that he's killed that guy just so he could use it as leverage to help Oleg. I don't know. It's a, a, a great, it's a great episode with that. Yeah. I but Jimmy, that. let's let's get into it. So it starts out with Elizabeth and Philip meeting with Gabriel, uh, and they find there's a couple people related to this. They found in the Rolodex of this shop where they snapped the guy's neck. Uh, right. Ben Stover or Ben Stewart, something like that, and Deidre Kent, something like that. Right. Deirdre. Right. Uh, they got it from that dude's role. Except the, the executive and the scientist. And Philip wants out of this. He's like, come on, man. We, I don't want to run between D.C. and Topeka. Ain't Another you fr- got nobody else, man? Now they're freaking farther away. They're in Topeka, not St. Clair County. Although, Jamie, we do find out that Philip and, and Elizabeth are taking planes, so we get that resolved. Right. <laughs> so, Jamie, if you're scoring at home, Topeka, 1,120 miles from D.C. That wow, is okay. 18 hours and 7 minutes, or average speed of 38.37 miles per hour if you're Holy driving. Holy hell. 
That's crazy. <laughs> that it's funny that it's all moot after all we've went back and forth about that they're on the freaking plane. I mean, Elizabeth's back home the same night. She's on the date with that dude. She's back home telling Philip about it. That's right. Anyway, so later after they exit from Gabriel, they're in the car and Philip makes a joke. Like, you think we'll get fired for this? Like, okay, so I thought that was a really, really, really dark joke because, you know, really what happens to spies if they get fired, well, if they get fired by Russia, they get exited like they're gone like they you know and even in america and other countries like if you get burned like if you get you know that's it you're not a spy anymore at the very least you're going to be in some sort of legal jeopardy you probably use lose your money uh particularly if you're a double agent and you know and you could be criminally prosecuted I mean, like, it gets deep. And I think that for them, that was a moment of saying, like, that's why she was like, no, don't even joke about that. Or, you know, that's not funny. Um, because, you know, if Russia decides they're not valuable anymore, they're dead. Yeah, you know they're going to defect somehow in the future of this show. I mean, it's the only satisfying way that they could they could end this saga. Well, I hope so. Well, that takes us, uh, where does that take us? That takes us up to the credits. And coming back from that, the scene that you were talking about with Philip looking out the window of the backyard and he's worried about a tree ranch falling and he has to get it cut down or something. What what the hell was that? Okay, so it was something about a tree. And um, he's like, who was the dude? <laughs> and she said the name of the guy who came out and did it before. I guess it's like a yard guy. And he says, I'm going to have to get him. And I think really the whole point of that was just to um, reorient us to the mundanity of what you do when your spouses, you know, you talk about the yard and the plants and the landscaper. Yep, it's breakfast time. Seven foot tall Henry walks in and wants his Apple Jacks. Right. And they find out there's a conference, or Philip does, I guess. Or some, somehow they talk about this conference that they need to go to with his math teacher. But they, yeah. Philip has no idea why. <laughs> uh. <laughs> like, no. Nobody knows why. And Henry is like, that's more bullshit because I've been being a good student. <laughs> Bullshit. And his parents are like, <laughs> right? And his parents are suspicious. And so, you know, we don't know. We don't know if, you know, Henry's, you know, doing some underground stuff or if he's really behaving. We don't know. But, but Henry's not having any of that. He's not carrying his remainder. He's uh, mad. Yeah, so they make more food references by Henry and tossing his toast into the trash and Paige seeing it and saying, I would have eaten that. Like wasting food. I gotta tell you, Mike, I expected Paige to pull that out of the garbage. I'm not kidding you. I thought she was gonna pull it out and try to eat it, and then her parents were gonna be like, no, Paige, you don't have to do that. We're communists, but we're not that communist. (laughs) Yeah, that's not bad. I would have given that the 30 second rule. It's your own trash, not like somebody else's trash or what's in there, you know? Right. (laughs) All right, we jump over to Oleg. Jump over to Oleg in Russia, and he's meeting with some sort of interrogators. This is a new part. I can't even remember, but some some new person. Um, these scenes jump back and forth really quickly again. 
um, on the plane and then realized like all my arguing with you about distance didn't mean shit because here he is on the plane and figured right. he has to be going to fucking Kansas. Um, <laughs> Philip looks like the dapper businessman. Uh-huh. He's got his glasses on, but he looks freaking miserable. He just looks like I don't want to do this. He's got a case of the Mondays. And he makes it to the gym in Topeka and he hits on Deirdre the bug chick or the... She's actually the new Lydia. She's the Lydia of the Americans. She's the logistics material handling chick. Lydia? Lydia from Breaking Bad. Oh, yes. You're right. You're a genius, Mike. Just observing. I'm just here to observe. <laughs> I think Philip's name is Gus Alexander. Something like that? Yeah. Uh-huh. Gus, Gus Alexander, man about town. Right. Um, tries to talk to this girl, and poor girl trying to do her workout with her headphones on, and she gets interrupted by Gus Phillip, uh, man about town. She just wants to do her freaking workout. She's kind of shy. She only spends time with her sister's family. She loves her work. She's like, leave me alone. I'm doing, I'm biking, man, I'm doing an exercise. But Philip, That's right. Philip pushes it. I swear to you, for like 15 seconds, I was looking for a boombox. I was like, why does she have headphones? <laughs> Where's the boombox? And then I realized it's like closer to the mid-80s. And so maybe she's got a Walkman. Well, why does she have headphones? Because she wants to be left the hell alone. Nah, she's got headphones because that's the new thing, man. Yeah, but it's also a barrier. It's like, leave me alone. I don't want to talk to you. I don't that's know. right. It doesn't slow mm-hmm. Philip Gus down, though. Uh-uh. He's got work to do. All right, we jump over to Oleg and his mom, and she senses something wrong with poor little Oleg. Oleg tells her he's in trouble, but don't tell Pops about it. Right. That was sad. He explains his exploits with Stan, and Oleg thinks Stan is after him with all these interlopers yeah. crossing his path. I just had a moment of, like, star-crossed lovers. You know, I was thinking, like, ah, that's so sad. Spy friends are, like, broken up. And, you know, <laughs> I keep thinking, like, the end of the season is going to have to bring them back together again. We'll see. It's, they've they've got to cross paths again. They must. I don't know how I... logistically, but they. it seems like they should. All right, so here's what I think. I think that within the next couple of episodes, Stan's going to realize that they've been bullshitting and that they are actually lying. Because that's what I think. I think that they are trying, they are trying to make Oleg think that Stan is blackmailing him. I think that Oleg believes that for a legitimate reason because the United States government is, is, is pushing this. Maybe, could be. And so I think Stan is going to find out somehow, and he's going to go to Russia. Well, Mama doesn't like this, Jamie. She does not need another son in jail. Mm-mm. She doesn't need another son in jeopardy, and Russia likes to exit people from the scene, so... Well, we'll see. She, we get a little bit more from Mama later on. Uh-huh. Um, and we jump over to Misha now, Jamie. Misha goes into one of the coolest looking garages I've ever seen. It's a garage with these arched windows in it. Very awesome looking garage, man. I didn't know they had those in, in a well, country okay. like, no, they're, they're either in 
they're in Yugoslavia or one of the Slavic countries before it got changed. I think on Yugoslavia and Austria's border, that's the border he crosses. Okay. I think, I think, cause there's nothing like I tried to figure it out, but I couldn't totally figure it out. But I think mm-hmm. the crossing from the Slavic border into Austria is the freedom is the, is the escape from the Soviet pole. Yeah, that sounds about right. But anyway, that garage was super cool. There's a few. Yeah, the whole that whole scene was beautiful. The cars and the the design of the building, like all of it, was just gorgeous. And the caper, the caper to get him out was super smart. That's right. So there's a few thugs in there. They just tell him to get in the floor, get on the floor of the car, and then, then we cut away again. But we'll come right. back to Misha. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philip's already back in D.C. at the uh, travel agency with Elizabeth. And they talk about Henry now and how they need to go meet with his teacher at the school. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't know who Henry talked. Henry is a fucking mystery to them. Half the time, they don't know where he is. They don't know what his math teacher wants. They don't know who he talks to on the phone. Right. And I love that so much because it's really, it mirrors the experience of the audience. We don't know what's going on with Henry either. Like we don't see him and we, you know, like we don't know what's happening with Henry. So I love that. I really, I really love it. And, you know, being a mother and having sons, I know that really happens. Like they freaking disappear. Like, you know, it's the whole thing. It's like really true to life. Right. It's funny. It's all just so funny. So Philip slash Gus tells Elizabeth about his new friend Deirdre in Topeka and how she's got a passion for logistics. I might just die of boredom. Who the hell would have a passion for logistics? Yes. I love that so much because he's all like she's passionate about logistics. <laughs> so, Jamie, how much of this is a, is a front by Philip just to make Elizabeth feel better. Like, you're the cool chick. This Kansas chick is, she's not even on the map. All right, so I think he really wants her to feel better, but I think Chickadee is pretty damn bland. She is bland. Mm-hmm. So is Chickadoo. So is, so is the dude. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> like, they're not, they're not Hollywood Glenn. They're definitely not Matthew Reese and what's her name? Carrie Russell. Carrie Russell, beauty-wise, they're not even close. They're not even, like, they're pushing four or five, maybe, on the ten scale. <laughs> I would say that's probably really accurate. But if you think Philip is being nice to her, I kind of do, too. Like, he's patting it like, oh, you're the cool chick. This this is just work, and it's, and it's not even fun work. It's boredom. Do you think their relationship needs this type of patting? Like, why do you think he's offering it up to Elizabeth? Well, I think that they hate what they're having to go through. I think that they would love to just be who they appear to be a married couple raising a couple of kids who have a travel agency. I think they would probably trade half their souls to just be that. Yeah. And Elizabeth kind of says, "Ugh, I got to go tomorrow. Yeah. So they're I mean, alternating like, days back and forth. It's horrible. You know, and I'll, I'll tell you something like I have a job that like I, I think you remember I changed jobs last year and I went to a job that I never could have predicted would turn out to be like what it is. And it's extremely satisfying uh, on most days. And, but it requires a lot of me. Like I, I don't stop. Like I, I work all the time and, um, 
Did you have to honeypot a Russian spy, Jamie? Okay, I confess. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> All right. So, but most days, seriously, I love my job. But some days, like I wake up and I'm like, what in the hell? I have to go back? Really? And I think that was that moment. Yeah, everyone okay. kind of has that feeling about their job at one point or another. Yeah. Even a job they love. That's right. All right, Misha's car driving through the night, the Yugoslavian night. They come to some bridge and I guess is the border that we were talking about, the checkpoint. And mm-hmm. the guards are listening to a soccer game, Jamie. And they got to check the guy's uh, cargo, the guy that Misha's car or truck, whatever, station wagon, I guess kind of a car slash truck. Check his fridges. He's carrying fridges. And um, he starts to commiserate about the soccer playing and the football game, the soccer game. And uh, he gets a honk from behind, like, hey, you guys acting as guards? Are you listening to the freaking football game? And the guy behind him complains. Very clever strategy they have to make these guys that are guards urgent to move the nice guy through who's, who's like a fan of the football game and deal with this asshole who's honking his horn trying to get through. All right. So, you know, Mike, you've done a lot of traveling. I've done a lot of traveling. Have you ever had a moment like that where you're trying to cross a border and you have something in your car that they might have a few questions about? And (laughs) you're like, oh, God, please just let me through. And you're kind of sweating a little bit like, oh, what's going to happen if I don't get through? (laughs) Well, in California at the border, they have produce checkpoints where you can't drive your car with yeah. like plants from another state. Yeah, like shit. you can't. That's right. That's right. All right. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, like the Canada-United States border is a great example because they will pull you over in a second and search your entire car. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they were so smart to set this up ahead of time, though. Had the, let's go during the soccer game. And this guy, Radonovich, or Radonovich, I couldn't, I looked him up. I couldn't figure out who he was. I looked up Radonovich's soccer, soccer name. Couldn't figure it out. I wanted to find out what country they were going into and coming from so I could tell you in the podcast. But I think it's the uh, Yugoslavian-Austrian border. Uh, I don't know what river, but I, I think that was it. But they had set this all up with this guy like, oh, Radonovich must have been the soccer hero. He must have been like the Michael Jordan Oh, yeah, he's going to score another goal and win the game for us. And then this guy's interrupting their conversation. It's perfect. It's a perfect scam. It really is. And so did Carby, was that like their setup? Was that interruption on purpose? Yeah. I love that. Yeah, the car behind was in cahoots with the Misha car. Yeah, that was awesome. That was perfect. All right, so back to the food store chick, and the ch- tangerines chick. Oleg checks in with her, and they start grilling her. We find out she gets her supplies at the Baza, the Baza, Baza. Yeah. Uh, but hers are always the best supplies, and she maintains because I'm the best. I'm the best negotiator. We kind of heard this before in the last episode, right? <laughs> Which is a bunch of old bullshit. How do you get better produce because you're the best? That's stupid. <laughs> Yeah, Ekaterina. It's the worst excuse you could have. I mean, clearly you're corrupt. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they threaten her. You could lose your job. Your husband could lose his job, and your whole family could lose your whole apartment. And probably your grandmother could lose her medicine or whatever. But they threaten like the whole everybody related to her, and they want a name from her of how she gets all this good stuff for her store. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then do you see her kind of cave at the last little bit? She puts her head down like, oh, God, here we go. Well, she had no choice. They had her cornered. I'm sorry. All right, next, Elizabeth gets her chance in Topeka. Uh-huh. Uh, she crashes a display at the health food store. Mm-hmm. Um, with the other bug dude. This, What's that, this it, stuff? What's this carob? It's like chocolate. It's like healthy health food store chocolate. And she's all like, what's this? And he's like, oh, it's a plant. It tastes like chocolate. It's not really very healthy, though, is it? No, carob. I think they finally did a study a few years ago that found out that carob is just as bad as chocolate. (laughs) Yeah, just sugar. Yeah. But, okay, so she made that reference to Gorp. Do you remember that? I remember the reference. I don't, frankly, can't tell you what remembering what Gorp was. It's trail mix Mm, okay and originally it was supposedly like peanuts and raisins but um like i figured that it would be okay if we kind of you know like expanded on that theme and just called it trail mix in general because it really is trail mix and so I posted on Twitter my, and under 140 characters, my favorite recipe for trail mix. Oh, I thought you were going to say under 140 calories. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it's got lots of dried fruit in it. So, But if our um, listeners want to go and see um, on Twitter, see the recipe, and then I link to um, the post on the website, too. Well, what Twitter would they go to, Jamie? At Word Girly. All right. Uh, so Elizabeth is Brenda Neal, super cute. Very looks, She looks very cute and healthy in her little healthy face and her glasses and her little bob haircut. Yeah. She loves hiking. And uh, just, just by good stroke of good luck, Ben Stover, mountain man, is in the store. He's a Carib chocolate and hiking specialist right there to help her. I know that was super lucky. What a coinky dink. I know. <laughs> All right, next scene, Philip and Alexi are drinking beer. And now this, I couldn't quite catch it all, but Alexei says he makes some Russian bread booze in his basement of some type. Okay, so he said it's like Coke. It's like Coca-Cola, but it's made from bread. <laughs> and he said that's the only thing he misses from Russia. Sounds freaking like, horrible. That's it. Sounds horrible horrifying and then he said it tasted he made some in his basement it tastes like piss and i can't imagine first of all i hate that word and second of all i like i can't imagine it tasting like anything else literally well it's a good word piss you don't like the word piss no i can't say, say it say tastes he- like urine tastes like urine no but he can say he, okay so he could have, <laughs> well, he could have said it tasted like terrible, or it tasted like whatever the hell the name of that stuff was, or you know. How about a, it's a piss poor excuse? That's a piss poor excuse for coming home late, Mister. You can't I say urine. That. No, <laughs> no, you can't. 
All right, so Philip gives <laughs> his uh, fake pilot history, and yeah, Pasha. I, anyway, I guess Alexei tries to guess. Like, so that's Tuan. Tuan's a result of your Southeast Asia fighter pilot not being able to have kids, or you know, he kind of tries to connect Tuan into Philip and Elizabeth, or whatever their Eckert's, whatever their name is, in the fake version of them. Right. And um, the fake, fake, fake times two. Yeah, double fake. Mm-hmm. Double secret fake. Um, and he kind of relates that. Uh, Pasha's a pain in the ass, right? Alexei and, says his own kid is a pain in the ass. Well, what I thought he said was that his wife was. I thought he was talking about her, and he was like, eh, she's not a kid. Maybe Can't the whole take her thing. back. <laughs> he says, without my job, I'd shoot my brains out. I know. <laughs> what a loving husband. <laughs> I think his family hates him, and he kind of hates them. Yeah, Perfect. Mm-hmm. So they start talking about the logistics of food and how Russia takes forever to move the same food that US, the USA can move in one day. They move it around by horse in Russia. Yeah, sometimes they move it by horse, and by the time it gets to where it's going, it's rotten. Crazy. That's sad. It's terrible. And, you know, it just makes me wonder. I've had this moment kind of occasionally since all the stuff that's happening in our country right now. And I've wondered, like, what is it that makes a country struggle like that? Because really, I mean, I don't know how things were in the 80s. Now, I mean, I know it's due to oligarchy and, you know, kleptocracy and that kind of stuff. But, like, back then, what made them struggle so much, like, financially? Because, I mean, they have resources. and they Just have corruption. Like, look, well, at, look at, like, Mexico. Yeah. You know, you get pulled yeah. over, you got to pay a, a bribe to get out of some, you know, it's just, it's just corruption. Yeah. It's, it's very sad. It's very sad. Now, I feel so bad for those people. And, you know, because, I mean, it doesn't have to be that way. And, you know, if not for the greed of a few, then, you know. Philip is at home when Elizabeth gets back from her Kansas trip. And did you notice, Jimmy, he's watching a TV special on bugs? Yes, I did. There were bugs crawling around. I don't know what's special on bugs, but there were bugs crawling around flowers or plants or something. It was a documentary. Yeah, it was. And Elizabeth has brought him the mini booze bottle that some guy bought for her on the plane. And she's all like, look at me. I could get a guy to buy me booze, but I brought it home to my baby. Right. So that was <laughs> uh, that was her offering up of like, hey, I love you best out of all the men in the world. And. All the guys may want to be with me, but you're the man, baby. That's right. I might have to go and spread my honey to another, I don't know, honeycomb, (laughs) whatever the metaphor is, but you're my main bee. (laughs) So Jamie, she says to him, "How?" or he says to her, how was your guy? And she says, full of himself, but we're going hiking this weekend. And Philip looks really hurt by this. Like, oh, fuck. What do you have to tell me that for? Yeah, it's like you got to work this weekend. What the hell? I thought we were going to talk to the yard guy together. So she's giving him the padding like you're the best, just like he was giving to her. I don't know. I thought that was a nice touch. But Philip does not look happy. Well, he shouldn't be. I mean, they feel sad because he doesn't want her to go do things with some dude. And she doesn't want him to do do things with some lady. It's just it sucks. 
All right, so uh, Philip and Elizabeth now get to meet Andrea, the Walking Dead Andrea with Stan. Yep, that's right. I got caught a little bit of this, but I couldn't catch it all. She's she's a softball player, but used to hate it, and now she loves it because she's playing intramural softball again on some company team. All right, so her family was kind of traditional, and she grew up like way back before there were girls' sports in high school. So she got to play softball with her family, but there were no organized sports at school for girls like that, like softball. You couldn't play softball as a girl back then. So she was stuck. She never got to do it until she was like, you know, in some sort of intramural team that was away from any kind of school system, which is another bunch of bullshit. Cause just think about that. Like generations of girls didn't get to play softball because of what patriarchy. I don't know. So is Walking Dead Andrea a, f- a real girlfriend of Stan, or is she some plant by somebody to spy on either Stan or to spy on the Jennings or what? Well, who the hell is Walking Dead Andrea? Walking Dead Andrea is a Russian spy, and she was sent there as a plant by the center to check out Stan Beeman. Could be. She's a little over Stan's pay grade and. Attractiveness, I think. Oh, I totally disagree. I think pan, I think that Stan is over her pay grade, and I would love to take her place. Well, I think she's still mad at him for blowing up the CDC. <laughs> she's probably really pissed about that because that was like her last best chance, you know, to get a hunky dude. She is up to something, though, seriously, in the show, because Philip and Elizabeth pretend to be from Chicago and Pittsburgh, and she's like, oh, really? I'm from Pittsburgh. Do you, do you know the Riller family <laughs> from Metalville? Like, she's going to know too much, and it's going to catch on, and I don't know. It's, that's a hint of trouble, I think. She's all like, my uncle's from Pittsburgh. Do you know? And Philip's like, uh, hey, so um, Pittsburgh's pretty cold. (laughs) He didn't say exactly that, but you could tell he was trying to change the subject, like dodge that bullet. And um, I I think in the next dawns, like somebody says something about like they're suspicious of her. So um, back in Russia... Oleg and his partner are reporting to Oleg's boss. Now, what's his partner, Rulan or something? I can't remember his name. Yeah, I don't know his name. Rulan or something like that. They report to the boss, and uh, they, are, I guess, have followed up on the lead that t- the tangerine chick, Katarina, had given them. And Oleg now puts his foot down and says, isn't there another way, a more decent way, than screwing the family of a, that has a son fighting in Afghanistan? And the boss right. scoffs at it and like, Phew. Our way of being being true is rooting out this corruption. Yeah, that's he's all like, you know, we don't need to worry about individual people. We need to worry about Russia. And I just thought that was very emblematic of yeah, the whole problem. So Oleg's partner, Rulan or whatever, Rutan, suggests developing a plan, kind of an easy way out of it, like a smoothing way out of it. Like, let's put a plan together and not argue. Like, let's get let's get past this road bump here, bump in the road. Yeah, and it was it was a really weird moment because I was thinking like, wow, that's like it kind of felt like um, like a guy sliding in, like your coworker is sliding in to like to save the day, kind of. And maybe get a few points with the boss, kind of. It was weird. 
So next scene is in the morning. Adderholt and Stan are together. It looks like they're almost on surveillance. They're having their coffee like spies always do in their car. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trope of being in the car where no one can see you because you're in the car and you look like two dudes in raincoats spying on people. Mm-hmm. Wait, so like I just have to say that um, God, I loved Stan's face in that scene. His sometimes the way that they shoot him, his eyes are so beautiful, <laughs> and it was like that in this scene. Yeah, yeah, Jamie, you and Stan, <laughs> freaking get a room. <laughs> so they talk about Oleg and how they might tempt him or threaten him, or you know, they talk spy talk about how spies sometimes threaten people or sometimes they tempt people. And then Adderholt comes up with a story about how another family got threatened and ended up with a split level in Tucson. Right. So so Adderholt is talking about this dude that they had on the hook. He was a Russian spy. And they were threatening him. They had enough on him that they could blackmail him. And so they did. And he said that this dude was the kind of guy who was soft. And he he was like they were threatening that they were going to tell his wife, like lie to his wife and tell his wife that he was um, cheating on her. And because he loved his wife and he didn't want to get in trouble and upset the family and ruin things, that was enough to intimidate him. And he said they blackmailed the hell out of that dude. But things worked out great because he caved. And now they're, you know, they're sitting pretty. They have money. And their kid is um, in law school or an attorney. And all's well than ends well. Yeah, and you know that came down that way probably a few times in the spy spy world that we have. Yeah, heck yeah. All right, Paige is babysitting for Pastor Tim's family, Jamie. And Tim, you've got to remember, Tim is in the know still about the whole Jennings thing. That's right. He knows they're spies. You almost have to remember that, remind yourself of that. So he kind of says secretly to Paige, you know, oh, geez, Alice is a project. Like because of the baby being new and not wanting to leave the baby. He's like kind of grumbling about Alice being kind of a head case about the baby. He's like, yeah, he's like Alice is, you know, having a moment about this. And so, you know, don't freak out because she doesn't feel as trusting. She's a little nervous. So he gives her a Karl Marx book. With all of that this. was so crazy. That was crazy. Yeah, the critique right. of political economy. Right. So, all right. So this was great because, um, like later in the episode when Oleg has that conversation with his mom, I went searching to see if I could find anything about what happened to women during that time, during the time of the Cold War and the Soviet Union and before that. And it turns out that they had labor camps. And they used to, like, force people to do labor. It was forced labor camps. And if you remember exactly what Tim was talking about, (laughs) he was talking about Karl Marx's argument about labor and he was saying that labor is not an end it is not an aim it's not something that is desired it is something that you don't want to do that is traded for some goods that you want and i thought it was beautiful because that is exactly what oleg's 
mother is talking about, but she doesn't specifically say it, you have to go and do some reading or you have to know some stuff in order to make the connection. Yeah. So I guess what Mark said in the book is that if you if there's a disconnect between the worker and his labor, the pro, the product of his labor, if he's not vested in what he's doing, his labor is not voluntary. It's coerced. It's forced. So that's kind of yeah. That's kind of what I don't know. It's kind of what Philip and Elizabeth. You know, I guess they get the benefits of it by helping their country, but they're kind of doing stuff they don't want to do now, and they're probably it's probably a big part of why they question it. Right. It's, you know, it kind of, you get that feeling of like Fred Flintstone kind of, you know, punching the damn clock. He's got to go, you know, and report to the, you know, to the <laughs> stone tablet time clock and, you know, you know, stick his little, <laughs> his little time card in there. And his tablet. Of, <laughs> it's like, right. It's like, it's horrible. It's horrible. And, you know, this is what you do, and this is what we do. We spend literally the majority of our waking lives. So, Jimmy. With that, it's not our design. We wouldn't rather do it. We breezed past this at the beginning of the podcast, but did you know that What's the Matter with Kansas was also a book? I did, and I wrote about it, actually, on Wish I Said That Shit. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. I figured I found that out in my research for this episode that it was a book about the switching of political um, ideology, essentially how liberals and conservatives switched in the in the in the story, at least by this guy, Thomas Frank, about how conservatives won the heart of America. Right. So Thomas Frank was a journalist, and um, some say that he was a historian, too. And um, this book was about Kansas. He's from there. And he was saying in the book, like the basic thesis of the, of the book is that, um, that a place that was originally populist, sort of, but left-leaning or moderate— um, became, um, you know, populist conservative kind of, um, region and that that was problematic. And in fact, that book was published in the UK and in Australia and in those countries, it was called what's the matter with America. Yeah. It's basically satire. It's basically humor, right? Mm. I, yeah, it's it's basically yeah. satire. It's, it's it's supposed to be funny, but it's kind of ironically funny. It's satire, and it's it's what's happened to Philip and Elizabeth too. Like Philip gets here, he's like, "Well, holy shit, this place ain't so bad after all." You know, he's he's essentially switching his political ideology. I think anyway, by being around this culture that he wasn't really used to, and maybe that will happen to Elizabeth too. But it's, I think it definitely happened to Philip. You know what? That's interesting. I think it's actually happened to both of them. And I didn't think that far in my metaphor, you know, for, for the episode, but I think that's really good. I think it's really accurate because even father Tim being a part of the church and being, you know, sort of conservative in that sense, that he is tied to, you know, a theology and, uh, you know, a kind of dogma, um, or a set of rules of, you know, sort of, you know, um, 
you know, like a, like a philosophy about life, but in fact, the roots of who he is are, you know, far more radical and far more um, broadly philosophical um, in a way that you wouldn't expect. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with that, but it's interesting that they they bring these two books in that are, you know, you think, oh, Kansas, that's the, that's the title because it's in Kansas, but it's really this interesting book about the flipping of political ideology. Well, yeah, and then, you know, and then what's the matter with Kansas is, you know, kind of what's the matter with the whole situation, because what's the matter with Kansas, you know, was really a question that Gabriel could have asked in that first scene of the episode, like, what the hell, why are you, why don't you want to go? Like, what's wrong with you? You people never argue with me. You know, what, what's the matter with this job? What, why are you giving me a problem? And the fact is that what's the matter with Kansas is everything. Everything's the matter with Kansas. It goes against our core selves. It goes against what we believe in. And we have changed. When we came here, this wouldn't have been a problem. Now it's a little complicated. It's a good point. I mean, I wonder what the the retirement plan is for spies. Like they're they're essentially reaching the point of straws being too much for this camel's back. Like, oh, no, I can't. I don't want to go to Kansas every other day, and I don't want to send Elizabeth there every other day. It's too much. Get somebody else to do it. They're going to burn out and become tired of this. Mm-hmm. And so, what's the plan? for the Russian management to move these guys into retirement, just bring them home or knock them off or what? Wow. That's, that's a good question. Everybody gets too old to do it at some point. If you're not too, if you, even if you still love it, you get too old to go sleeping with people and run around strangling and cracking necks. <laughs> cracking people backs in half. I thought that was impractical, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I guess you become a handler. I guess that's what happens. Or you, know, you get offed or you disappear. I don't know. Yeah, but if to be exponential, you can't have th- a thousand handlers and 600 spies. You're right. All right, next scene, Philip calls, Philip slash Gus calls Deirdre and asks her out for a dinner date. And he gets shut down, Jamie, or if not shut down, at least stalled. She's all like, hey, dude, I'm boring. I have a job to do that I'm really married to. I got stuff going on. I don't buy your crap. I really would rather just stay here with my logistics. He's like, what? I'm Philip slash Gus. You got you to go on a date with me. All the other women do. That's right. He's kind of surprised by this. I think he's kind of he's kind of feeling like this chick's a hard nut to crack. <laughs> he's like, what in the hell? I have charm, lady. <laughs> All right, Elizabeth has no such trouble. Uh, she and her new boyfriend talk about words and woodpeckers and how they have tongues in their heads and they unravel them. And she acts all interested in Daffy. This, I mean, this guy's a dingling, don't you think? I don't know. No, I don't. But I thought that story was incredibly interesting. Like, who in the hell knew that about woodpeckers? And what in the hell? I mean, like, who? I want to know who wrote that scene. I need to know who wrote that. Well, it's also it's a total sexual innuendo too. 
Did you know uh-huh. that the woodpecker has a long tongue wrapped up in his head, and when he <laughs> unravels it, the girl woodpecker goes nuts? And <laughs> I don't know. All right. The thing, yes. You know what? I don't know. I kind of buy that because I think what he said was something like, can you imagine what happens when he unwraps that tongue and sticks it out? It must feel amazing. Yeah. It's totally <laughs> obvious what the guy's up to. Right. <laughs> all right. Next scene, Paige babysitting the baby. Were you ever worried at all in this scene, Jamie? Paige alone with that baby? She's looking at it sleeping. Okay, so for a split, split, split second, I was like, she's going to murder that baby. But I, I I knew better, but, you know, it just kind of crossed my mind. I mean, they know a lot about the Jennings, and Paige knows that he knows. I mean, would you trust that chick as your babysitter? Yeah, absolutely, because Paige doesn't want to lie, and she's all in in the church and you know what is she gonna do kill the baby and then pastor tim's like oh you killed my baby well, kidnap it keep it away so like if you ever say anything you'll you know i don't know it's kind of far-fetched but I, you could find a better babysitter i think right so it kind of blew my mind that Paige was willing to go like you know rummaging through their stuff yeah so some because of all this there's some sort of trust line that I think is being emphasized maybe subliminally by the Joes in their writing or in their directing of this. Cause I don't know. She page looks and thinks around, thinks and looks around and snoops through all their phone notepads and st- she's getting intimate knowledge of them. And, and it's a tr- line of trust. Like they know she's alone in their house. She's well, a Russian the spy. Is- they know her family is a Russian spy family. Right. And so, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, it's possible. I mean, okay, so I think that they definitely implicitly, explicitly trust Paige because they would never leave their their sleeping infant child who's defenseless. They wouldn't leave their child with somebody they didn't absolutely 100% trust. And so I think that's where the kind of the kind of conflict and interest is, because Paige knows that she's really, really, really trusted by these two folks. Yeah, but Joel and Joel are introducing something here, because even Elizabeth later on is like, oh, don't ever do that. It's totally wrong. Like, hmm, did you come up with anything like she's like kind of interested in it? Right. And she even says that to Philip later, like, ooh, maybe she could find, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So it's I don't know. Cool I mean, that's it's it's like it's like a safe. It's like training wheels entree into spying. Well, they kind of sequence into that with the mama spy daughter spy sequence, intercutting between Elizabeth and the wood, the happy woodsman with the tongue in the head thing, and the it's Paige sneaking around the the uh, Pastor Tim house. Like uh-huh. this is what a spy does. This is what a spy's daughter does. She's right. in, in training. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yep. So Elizabeth and the mountain man are making out and they jump back and forth. Paige going upstairs and looking in the bedroom now. And she's looking through their stuff and more Liz and the mountain man and more Paige. She finds a diary. Um, and Elizabeth finally in wherever she's in Topeka, I guess, slows down the mountain man. Says, I like you, but I have work to do tonight. Can I see you next week? Got to go to work, B. Yep. Can I come back next week? And he's all like, 
oh, let me think about it. Yeah. He fake slow rolls it like a doofus. I mean, come on, yeah. man. You're, you're four and a half on the 10 scale. You got a, you got a nine and a half girl interested in you. <laughs> That's right. And, and so, of course, she's going to see him next week. So Paige reads the diary. Mm-hmm. Is there anything good in that diary that you can remember? I was looking so hard for some Cyrillic characters, but I couldn't find any. All right. So Stan makes his play now. He goes to the deputy attorney general. It says, remember Vladimir Kosijin when he was killed? I shot him in the back of the head. It was me. And yep. AG says, you killed him? You what? You, what do you want? You want to be arrested? And Stan makes his play. He says, do whatever you want. But if you use that tape against Oleg, I'm going straight to public, telling everyone in the government that the government kills innocent people. <laughs> That's right. God so damn it. Stan is helping <laughs> Oleg out big time. I like this. I liked it, too. And, um, and you remember Vlad, right? Uh, vaguely, yeah. All right, so Vlad was that dude who's like, I'm a diplomat, please don't kill me. And that was like right after his partner, Chris, um, Chris, what was it? It starts with an A, his last name. Amador. Chris Amador was accidentally killed by um, Philip and Elizabeth. They had taken him hostage because he knew in the hell they were. And they took him and put him in this, like, warehouse. And they were questioning him. Questioning him, And then he tried to get away or something. And then they were, like, torturing him, trying to get answers or something. And, oh, yeah, Philip stabbed him by accident when he was trying to fight him because he was going to kill Philip. And so Philip stabbed him by accident. And then he ended up dying against Philip and Elizabeth's will, but he died anyway. And when Stan realized that Chris Amador was dead, he was like, these bastards. And he's, he, he kidnapped, um, Vlad and he was intending to kidnap Arcady. Like that was the, the sting. Like that was the plan that the FBI had they were it was supposed to be Arcady, like in the park meeting somebody to give them either a a drop or a message or something, or have conversation. But instead, it was Vlad who showed up and and Stan grabbed this dude, brought him to a holding place like a safe house, and shot dude in the back of the head while he had a mouthful of fast food. And it was one of the most graphic scenes in the series, like that you see from the vantage point of like looking straight on to Vladimir and you see the bullet. You don't know Stan's going to shoot him like Stan offered him something to drink and he was going to the fridge to get the drink. And then he just turned around and shot him. So it was shocking to the audience and Vlad never saw it coming. And But you see from his standpoint, he's just sitting there chewing this food that Stan got for him. Poor frightened guy. He really was a diplomat. And then you just see the bullet pop out of the forehead, like pop right out of his forehead. You see his mouth opens, the food falls out, and then he falls over dead. It's a horrifying scene. It's the worst thing Stan's ever done. And he is willing to offer that up. And this is the first... The AG like, does not like this at all. He says to Stan, I, I uphold the Constitution, not like you. 
And Stan says, right. leave Oleg alone, bitch. Don't mess with Oleg. That's right. That's right. All right, next scene, Elizabeth's making dinner. Paige comes home. They think Henry has a girlfriend or maybe two girlfriends. They have a couple choices for possible Henry girlfriends. More Henry mm-hmm. mystery. And Paige starts talking to Elizabeth and says, hey, you know, you guys have been traveling around a lot. What's going on? And Elizabeth tells her it's all about the grain thing. I'm a fake salesperson selling women's clothing. And Paige wants to know her fake name. And she tells her, Brenda Neal. Mm-hmm. And Paige tells Elizabeth next about Tim's diary. And she scolds her for it and says, that's too dangerous. And um, Paige tells her a little bit more about it. He uses initials and writes about people from church, but I can tell who they are. And Elizabeth asks, does he write about us ever? Paige says no. And then she just tells her, don't do it anymore. If you get caught, they'll see it in your face, even if they don't catch you red-handed. You're different after you do something like that. You might even sound different or look different after you do something like that, Paige. Don't do that. So Paige says, I was there, not you. So what does that mean, Jamie? Is she going to do it again? She's like disregarding Elizabeth's, Elizabeth's warning here or what? I think that's exactly what it means. So she's uh, that loose that loose cannon still kind of on the deck of this thing. Yeah, she's all like, hey, I'm a teenager, and you're the one who told me to be a spy, so here you go. <laughs> so next we see Oleg and his mama, uh, although we haven't seen Papa in a while. I wonder where, where he is. Did, did that ever come up in these last few episodes? No, like we we get very few references to Papa. We haven't seen him or heard from him. We get references to him. Like we've had literally, I think in every episode, there's been a reference to Oleg's dad. So it's like we're supposed to think of him. We're supposed to remember he's around. He's supposed to be vaguely somehow present, but he's not. And in this episode, we it's no different. We hear um, him, like Oleg, say, Mama, I have something to tell you in the beginning. And he's all like, yeah, don't tell Dad. I got to tell you something. And then he tells her about the thing that we talked about earlier, about, like, he did something wrong. And then, you know, his mother's like, you know, then they have more talk about their dad. So that this is where she tells Oleg how she went to the camp for five years, how they took the wives, not the husbands. Yeah. And she says, I did what I need to survive, and you need to do it too. Yeah, yeah. And I read about that um, in my blog post for this week, and I, I just thought it was great. I mean, it was a really beautiful scene. I, I loved it. I love the the actress who's playing um, Oleg's mom, her face is really um, interesting. You know, it's got a lot of character and it's got a lot of emotion in it. And um, I just love the scene. I thought it was so well done, you know, like, um, you know, well shot. The perspectives were beautiful. It was really warm, you know, warmly lit. And, um, you know, it was a great lesson for Oleg. Yeah, it's all great and warm conversation between a mom and a son, but it's gonna it's teeing up something tragic for Oleg. He's gonna overplay his hand, thinking he needs to protect himself to survive, not knowing that Stan has already put in some sort of a safeguard for him. In fact, he's gonna think Stan is angling to get him. It's just tragic. You can just see it. it you know, it's it's a misunderstanding that's gonna pro- have a tragic resolution. What I I think is the opposite. I think that we are supposed to feel like he's 
in a terrible position, but that I think that at the end he's going to realize that Stan was always on his side. I don't think it'll be too late. I think he'll be okay. I hope he'll be okay. I really hope old Lake doesn't die. He might realize <laughs> it as the fast food drops out of his mouth when the bullet exits his forehead. <laughs> don't do that, man. <laughs> all right, next, next scene, Misha at the TWA terminal at JFK. Jamie, he's all free. It's all breathy and breathy and open air and free, people bustling about. It just looks so different than the Yugoslavian river crossing and the bottom of the car and the... I don't know. It just looks so different. He's he's like free as a bee now. He's in the U.S. and he's able to go wherever he wants. And he's only if he's at he's at uh, JFK. He's only freaking what an hour and a half train ride from D.C. Probably yeah. Yeah. Not so far. he's on the doorstep of whatever's going to happen when he meets up with Philip again. Yeah, and people are going to be like like. He'll knock on the door, and then, like, Pasha will come walking across the yard. Oh, no, Tuan. Tuan will come walking across the yard, and then, like, um, Henry will answer the door, and then the audience will be like, who the hell's who? Which one's which? <laughs> Stan will be spying on them through the window on that tree branch that's not healthy, and it'll break off. He'll land and crash and break his leg and... I, I know all this stuff has to come tied together at some point. <laughs> right. All right. So it kind of ends with Philip and Elizabeth talking about Paige in the diary. Elizabeth, I think, is proud of her and considers that, you know, maybe she found something valuable in there. You know, if it was if there was anything valuable and uh, she doesn't want to talk about Kansas. She tells Philip the guy was too nice. He likes he likes birds and hiking and he's funny. And Philip asks her very kind of, I don't know, it's like intimately, do you like him? Remember, Elizabeth had to put up with frickin' Philip and Martha and deal with him kind of liking Martha a lot. And so now he wonders, like, do you like this guy? Yeah, that stuff is so awful. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't. I could never, like, be with somebody that I love and then, like, Ugh, I I ugh, I don't know how they do that. She gives him the right answer, though. If I was Philip, I would have liked at least this answer. That look, I sit and listen to his jokes. He laughs as he tries to starve an entire country. Like like he's a fucking dick. Like a, you know, I pretend to like right. him. Right, which is good. I mean, that was like the best answer that she could have given because it's really heartfelt. You know, because we know that Elizabeth's values really are, you know, Mother Russia. First, last, and always. And so this is, you know, she's like, he's trying to starve our people, you know? So that was it, Jamie, the end of What's the Matter with Kansas. Mm -hmm. Uh, The next episode, 505, is Lotus 123, which makes me think of a spreadsheet. (laughs) Wasn't that the spreadsheet program before Microsoft Excel? Um, Lotus Notes was... I thought it was like an email program. As a matter of fact, back when I was a, a consultant, I did a contract at a company that had Lotus Notes for a minute. Um, and this wasn't long ago. This was like maybe like uh, not even 10 years ago. But um, yeah, I think Lotus Notes was like either like a word processing program or an instant messaging program or an email program. I think it was email. Well, what, something, but, um, something one, two, three was a, was a spreadsheet like uh, Excel. Man, I thought I, it was no. Lotus. I'm either in, in, I'm supplanting that word because it's in this title, but something one, two, three. 
I, I think you're probably right because Lotus Notes was for like writing stuff, and then Lotus One Two Three might have been. That makes sense. Because so all these numbers. all these titles kind of make you think about bugs though, because a Lotus. You know, that's right. It's a locust. It's a, lo- a lotus is a bug, isn't it? Um, no, a lotus is a flower, but it made me think about sex because isn't there like a position called the lotus? Oh, there's a lot of positions. <laughs> and then the next one after 505, 506 is crossbreed. So yeah, it's like bugs and plants, kind of the whole the whole series. And, and sex. Because that's another one, breed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so yes, Lotus123 is a discontinued spreadsheet program from Lotus Software, later a part of IBM. It was the IBM PC's first killer application. It was hugely popular in the 1980s and contributed, to, contributed significantly to the success of the IBM PC. Yeah. I remember looking at Lotus One Two Three once, like years and years ago, and thinking, like, this is so freaking hard to figure out. And when you look at Excel, it just seems so easy to to work with. <laughs> yeah. Well. Okay. So it depends. It depends. But you know what? I'll tell you something. I spent a significant portion of my week inside Excel, like building a really cool um, task tracker for my boss. Yeah, you can build really cool uh, fantasy sports. Solvers too with Lotus. Ah, but with anyway, Excel. Maybe they'll do with that Excel. next week on five hundred five. Okay. I can't imagine what a spreadsheet has to do with bugs and Russian spies and food supply chains. Maybe it's the way they track the food supply. That's it. It's the logistics. It's the logistics chickadee. All right, Deirdre, Deirdre slash Lydia. We'll see what happens to her. There we go. I bet it's going to be. Something around Lotus, <laughs> the Lotus position, and that spreadsheet. All right, could be. All right, Jamie, mm-hmm. how do people reach you if they want to talk about the spreadsheet and your design of a workflow on Microsoft Excel? <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> all right, so that is, um, I'm on Twitter, I'm at Word Girly, and I have a website called wish I said that shit.com and that has got updates and notes and um, my musings on the episodes and West Coast Project is our website my Twitter is at scathing tweets and West Coast Project is our Facebook and Instagram too so Jamie you got any final thoughts for what's the matter with Kansas um well if I do I will add them to the website or to Twitter all right shape of a heart I'm digging it up Jackson Brown you, thanks for reminding awesome. me. You're very welcome. I like that song. See you next week. Bye. I never
Yeah.